Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, James Vickers. I'm going to chuck you across to Louis, first of all, who's going to take us through the, the results from the previous weekend's round of games. Yeah, thank you, James. Uh, going to Saturday at 12.30, Brentford managed a 3-1 victory against QPR. Uh, in the three o'clock kickoffs, Barnsley got a huge win against Huddersfield Town. That ended 2-1. Uh, Blackburn and Preston drew one apiece. Uh, Charlton and West Brom also drew. That was 2 all. Uh, Fulham managed to get an away win at Hull City. That one was 1-0. One uh, Leeds... Um, you know, not picking up points again uh, of late, uh, but losing 2-0 to Sheffield Wednesday. Luton uh, losing at home to Birmingham City, even though Birmingham had a man sent off in that one. Uh, Middlesbrough and Derby played out a 2-2 draw. Another game that was a draw, Reading against Nottingham Forest. Uh, then a 0-0 draw, which was Stoke and Millwall. Again, Millwall had a uh, man sent off in that one. Uh, the last fixture on the Saturday was... Uh, a 2-0 victory to Bristol City away to Wigan. And then finally on the Sunday, another draw in this round of games was the 12 o'clock and the derby between Cardiff City and Swansea. Like I say, 0-0 in that one. Yeah, there were a couple of games, um, sort of first of all, before we go into individual players that, that stood out for me. Um, <clears throat> first of all, uh, and we'll get on to Huddersfield <clears throat> a bit more in sort of a little while, but the, the Barnsley-Huddersfield game, Barnsley, obviously, since Struber's come in, Really turned a corner, you know, they were sort of cut adrift a bit at the bottom, uh, you know, only a few weeks ago, really, sort of uh, looking back at how many games have been over that Christmas period. You know, they find themselves off the bottom now with that win, they're improving their goal difference and obviously the Huddersfield game in the weekend, we're getting into that stage of the season now, especially for the teams down the bottom who aren't picking up, you know, points week in, week out where these six pointers really come into play and for Barnsley to win that game, you know, in the way they did against a Huddersfield team that are struggling, really does, you know, put the pressure on Huddersfield now. And and for Barnsley's point of view, massive confidence builder. You know, they're only a point behind Stoke and then I think three or four points behind Huddersfield and Charlton then. So they're really clawing that differential back and, and bringing those clubs back into it. And I think if you've asked anyone, I'd say start of December, don't think many people would have expected Barnsley to, to go on this sort of little upturn in form that they've been on. Obviously, mm. by no imagination am I saying that they're safe or, or going to be safe and that they're going to, you know, continue to pick up points. But Saturday's game was, you know, a real statement of, of how they are going to come into this second half of the season. Uh, another game that stood out for me, purely for the drama at the end, was the, the Reading-Nottingham Forest game. Obviously, Nottingham Forest have been in and around that top sort of three or four and for them to go 1-0 up, 
at the Medeski, which as a Preston fan, I hate going to. We never win there. Uh, I think one win in the last five there. And we could be playing as well as we have done sort of ever and Reading would still find a way to, to beat us. For Forrest to go 1-0 up in the 96th minute, you know, they really should for a team that has aspirations of, of certainly making the playoffs and, and closing the gap to that top two of West Brom and Leeds. They really do need to be holding on there. And, you know, watching the highlights on, on the Sky Sports app that I do for, for games that I haven't seen live, I don't think there was a break in sort of the highlights from from Nottingham Forest scoring to Reading taking kickoff. And, you know, they went straight to the other end and within sort of 10, 15 seconds, the ball's back in the net. And I'll come on to Reading a bit later in the show, but I've been really impressed with them, you know, obviously since the new managers come in. There was a lot of uncertainty and fan distress um, when he did come in. But, you know, fair play to him. He's turned it around for them and, you know, they've been slowly going about their business and, and you know, climbing up the table. Um, final game for me <clears throat> that I wanted to touch on was the the Sheffield Wednesday one, obviously, Louis. I won't touch yep. too much on it because I'd imagine you'll want to talk about no, it. No, go, you go for it. You go for it. <laughs> obviously, Yorkshire Derby, two late goals. I think it was the 87th, 88th minute and then one right at the end in sort of the, the 93rd, 94th minute to, to go to Leeds. Obviously, we went there on Boxing Day, played really well, but just couldn't hold on for you. A bit of the opposite. Obviously, you were, you were in the game at nil-nil and, you know, most teams away at Leeds would get to that last five, ten minutes and, you know, think a point away at Leeds, fantastic for the majority of, well, more or less every team in the division with the way they've been playing this season. But obviously, fair play to you, two late goals. And, you know, that really sort of looking at the table now keeps you in that playoff contention. Unfortunately for Preston, sort of the way we've been going recently, we've just sort of dropped off a little bit. Obviously, it still is really tight, but you know, you seem to be hitting form at the right time, Louis. I saw you against, I think it was Bristol City, just before Christmas, and you know, really impressed. Bannon's playing, you know, as as well as I've ever seen him play, and you've really seemed to have compared to the start of the season. Um, obviously, it may be different from the inside, but you seem to have found a settled team now and, and you know, you're know really starting to play decent football. And I think at the start of the season, I did think you'd be in and around that playoff pack. So I think if you continue playing the way you are doing, you know, there's no reason why you can't be. Um, but yeah, they were the games that stood out for me. Are there any that I haven't touched on or any that you wanted to go into more detail on that I may have missed? Um, you know what? I've, I have got a couple more. I thought Charlton um, gaining a point against West Brom, who... Everyone probably expected West Brom to go there and, and get the win. Uh, Charlton obviously getting a point there, which at this stage is huge because they are creeping down that table quite fast. You mentioned it already. The likes of your Barnsleys, your Stokes, Huddersfield are, are picking up points of late, really. Um, and, and teams like your Charlton's are, are, are going and going down, down, uh, you know, down in the league and um, in many ways seemed to be struggling. So I thought even though it was a last minute goal and it was an own goal as such, you know, a bit unlucky for the goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, a great point for Charlton in that one. The other big one, which I'm looking at the table now, essentially it was a six pointer, is uh, Birmingham City's win against Luton, um, winning 2-1 there. And if you, like I say, if you look at the table now, if Birmingham had a loss that in hindsight, let's say, uh, they'd have been right in, you know, just hovering above that drop zone. So that was a huge win. Um, they'd have only have been five points, I believe, 
clear of Luton if uh, Luton had have got that victory. So um, that one probably went under the radar a little bit. And then, like you mentioned at the end there, my, my biggest win, I've got to say, is is, is the Wednesday against Leeds. I didn't expect anything at all from that game. It's one of them where you'd, you'd have taken a, taken a point at the beginning um, on most occasions. But we had a game plan, went there, managed to get the break, like you say, really late on. And um, I know we're going to touch on Leeds United later in the topics, but it's it's one of them games where it can really kick on your season, and we needed that after losing three on the bounce. Um, so for me, that's that's the biggest win. Uh, but other than that, no, no other teams really what stood out or, or surprises. Like we said earlier, loads of draws. So I think we can move on to Player of the Week. Yeah, obviously, player of the week for me. There was there was two that stood out for me. Um, obviously, I went first on the the games of the week, so I'll let you go first on this one. I don't want to keep taking the ones that you could potentially say. Uh, but yeah, I've got two. Um, how many have you got, and which ones would you like to touch on? Well, I've I've got four, but I think a couple of mine may be slightly different to what you've got because I've gone first and foremost I've gone for a couple of keepers uh, I try and add a few keepers in because they get overlooked don't they quite often uh, but I thought Freddie Woodman I've mentioned his name quite a lot this season um, keeping clean sheets for Swansea and I think he had a, a great game against Cardiff again and, and as, as he's been a, a standout performer for the Swans this season so I thought I'd mention him uh, but bet, even better I believe that uh, Bentley uh, keeping that clean sheet for Bristol City in their win. Um, he made some fantastic saves in that one. Bristol City have dropped down in the division a little bit. Um, and even though it was against Wigan who were struggling, they still managed to keep that clean sheet. And David Bentley, like I say, had a, had a great game. The, the other two outfield players that I'm going to mention, so I don't know if I'm treading on your toes here a little bit. Uh, one of them is uh, Dieju for... Again, uh, Bristol City, so following on from that game, their 2-0 win, he managed to get a goal and an assist. He can turn it on when he wants to, can't he? He needs to find a bit more consistency, but he, he has, you know, got it in him, you know, his ability and skill, and, and he can find the net, like I say, when he wants to. He's He, he can be a great player in this division if he, if he keeps kicking on as such, um, but he did really well. And then I can't not mention, because I've probably never mentioned him before, on this podcast this season, um, Ati Nuiu, you know, 22 minutes on the pitch, managed to get the assist for Jacob Murphy in the 87th minute and then score himself in the 94th minute. So, you know, we, we sometimes bring him, on and bring him on and he doesn't have an impact. But on this, like I say, he fully deserves the credit, um, changed the game um, in many ways. So, uh, yeah, for me... From a biased point of view, I'm going to say Ati Nuiu is my player of the week. Yeah, so Nuiu was actually one of the ones that I had uh, down as my two. Uh, when you touch on goalkeepers, okay. that has given me an extra one to talk about, obviously. So, obviously, yeah, Nuiu getting the assist and the goal. Whenever we seem to play, I remember a game, uh, I think you were at it, Louis, uh, a few years ago where Nuiu came yeah. Um Absolutely, just I think him and uh, it may have just no, it was just him. I think did he score a hat trick in the second half and he absolutely tore us to pieces. So he's one yeah. of those players that I absolutely hate playing against. And uh, I think the Leeds fans will be after the last sort of 20 or so minutes at the weekend. Um, first one that I was going to or second one that I was going to touch on, um, that I will touch on in a bit more detail, um, was over at the Barnsley game looking sort of at the game 
two that really stand out for me, but one that I did want to touch on. We haven't mentioned Barnsley too much this time, uh, too many times this season in sort of a, a positive light. It's usually been sort of relegation issues and and such. But I thought Connor Chaplin again was fantastic for them. Obviously collected the Player of the Month trophy uh, sort of a few days ago as we're recording this. You know, thoroughly deserved. And, you know, I think that's nine goals now for him this season, which for a team that are struggling, uh, you know, down the foot of the table, those goals have been, you know, absolutely crucial for them. And he was fantastic again. On Saturday, you know, I know a few Barnsley fans at work and, you know, they've been singing their praises. And, you know, the good thing for them is he's still only, you know, sort of, I think, really young. I think he was born in 97, so makes me feel a little bit old. Um, but obviously, if they can keep hold of him and, and keep him playing the way he has been over these last few weeks, you know, that is going to go a long way to taking them to safety. Um, from the same game, actually, you know, as, as we're sort of looking at it, I thought um, Brown, the other forward for them, was you know just as good. Watching the highlights back, uh, obviously didn't see too much of the actual game, but on the highlights looked fantastic. Got both the assists for both the goals, one in each half, and you know, and another young lad playing up front for them. Obviously, he doesn't have the goals that that Chaplin's got this season, but you know, with them two can keep assisting and and scoring, especially against the teams in and around them, that is going to keep them, you know potentially in the league and you know ever since Struber's come in they they have found that way to grind out results against those teams around them so really impressed with those two um they were the two that I was going to touch on as well as knew who um one other that I was going to mention uh obviously you went for a for a Wednesday player I was going to go for a Preston player and it sort of reminded me obviously when you mentioned the goalkeepers I thought Declan Rudd for Mm. us was fantastic on Saturday I've not been his biggest fan yeah quite openly on Twitter, not his biggest fan. But the last few weeks, we obviously have been on a bad run of form, but it could have been a lot worse if he hadn't have played as well as he has done. And I think, you know, it's only right that I credit him when I do give him his fair bit of stick. Um, but I thought he was fantastic on on Saturday. I think if we'd have had anyone else in net um, of our other keepers, we would have lost that game. And, you know, he's made some crucial saves for us throughout this season. Not the best at commanding his box, which I think is where some of the sort of the issues with fans comes from. But you know, on his day, he is a fantastic keeper for us, and especially in a derby match away from home as well. You want your keeper playing well. Obviously, I'm lucky to concede that goal in the first couple of minutes, um, but that came more from a defensive mistake. So, yeah, I want to give Declan Rudd a, a bit of praise, and if he can continue playing the way he has been. And we can start finding the back of the net on a regular basis and get back to the way we were playing at the start of the season. There's uh, there's every chance we can sort of get back in and around that playoff picture. Um, but obviously, I touched there sort of on the, the Barnsley-Huddersfield game a couple of times, Louis. And one of the topics that we were going to talk about this week was Huddersfield Town. Obviously, the Cowley brothers came in and had that immediate impact with them. And, you know, we were sort of around about sort of November, December time, talking about them potentially looking up the table, not necessarily playoffs, but certainly up and away from the relegation zone. Last few weeks, you know, they've, they've run into a bit of trouble. Do you think this is sort of the, the end of the honeymoon period? And do you expect them to get back to that sort of form that they did show when the Cowleys first came in? Or do you think this is going to be them for the rest of the season in that relegation battle and, and you know, looking over their shoulders? Yeah, I really do. I think that this will be them for the rest of the season. I think that, you know, Cowley's come in and they've done well so far. And they still are generally doing well because they've found more consistency. You've got to remember when they, you know, took over, they, they, they were struggling to win at all. Uh, never mind 
win a couple and then lose a couple. Uh, they were they were drawing a few games, but like I say, majority were losses. Um, I think the issue that they've got now is that they did find form at the right time. They've, they've, they're in 20th place at the minute and they've, they've got out of the bottom three. But you just you know took the words out of my mouth a little bit and said they're still looking over the shoulders because I think even though Huddersfield have improved over the course of the last three months, so have Stoke, so have Barnsley, and you know I'm 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 not concerned about Wigan. I said last last week on the podcast I think they'll go down, but even Luton are capable of of picking up point, points and surprises despite their uh, dreadful run of form, losing three on the bounce now and only getting one point in six. So yeah, for me Huddersfield are unlucky in the regard that the teams below them have probably improved as well, or the majority of them. Uh, but yeah, I also do think that the honeymoon period is over a little bit and that's simply because you know the first six seven games under a new manager you do have that spring in your step uh, there's new breed of confidence and you might pick up the odd surprise victory like they did do um but like you say i think with the questions you asked that yeah huddersfield will probably just about escape relegation but I still expect them to finish 19th or 20th this season so uh, I still think you know the remaining 19 games it's going to be a long hard season for them Um, so for me I don't expect them to climb much higher in the table even though I think Charlton is struggling at the minute as well so uh, yeah for me his honeymoon period is over and there's still a hell of a lot of work to do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think the key thing that you touched on there, Louis, was, you know, over the Christmas period, they've played Barnsley, they've played Middlesbrough, they've played Stoke, and they've lost all three of them. For teams that were, obviously, Middlesbrough pulled away a little bit now um, with their sort of yeah. recent run. But going into that Christmas period, Middlesbrough were one of those teams, you know, looking over their shoulders and, and around them. And to go into that Christmas period and lose to all three of those teams, teams that are around you, that if you do want to pull away from that relegation zone, you need to be picking up points against those sort of teams in and around you. And that, if I was one of the Cowleys, that would be the real concern for me. Obviously, they got a good win at home to Nottingham Forest. But, you know, it's all well and good beating the teams at the top of the league. But if you're not beating the teams in and around you and, and you're giving them the chance to claw that, that gap back that you've created by beating one of the top side, you know, it counts for nothing. And yeah, as I said, that, that form against the teams in and around him, you know, he's going to be sort of a real concern for me if I'm a Huddersfield fan, especially the manner of the Stoke defeat as well to score two goals at home against the team in and around you, but concede five, you know, absolutely catastrophic for the goal difference and, and give Stoke, you know, a real sense of optimism that, you know, the teams in and around him are there to be beat. So, Definitely Fuddersfield, I think, to go back to my original question to you, I think that they will be in this relegation fight now, between now and the end of the season. I'd be very surprised if they do sort of pull away and, you know, finish like comfortably mid-table. I don't expect them to go down. I think one of the main reasons for that, as you said, I think Wigan in particular, Luton obviously can pick up points, but I just don't think their squads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As good as it needs to be, you know, obviously a lot can change between now and the end of the January transfer window. But I think the saving grace for Huddersfield may be the fact that there are worse teams around them. Um, but I do think that they are going to be in that bottom sort of five or six, you know, between now and the end of the season, I just really can't see it sort of turning around for them. Obviously, Huddersfield fans mm. would hope that that does, but you know, I do worry for them, you know, over the next coming weeks. Um, but then to turn our attention to one team uh, that are doing fantastically well this season, we've always on this show admired the way they play football. I think we all agree they are one of the most exciting teams in the division on their day. But the real thing for me, and I'm talking about Brentford, was their consistency over this season so far. Obviously, they're a little bit behind the top two, but in pole position of the teams in the playoff pack, they're third in the league at the moment, and they've really found that consistency over the season. Obviously, best goal difference in the league as well, which you know is summed up by the attacking talents that they have on show. You know, Embuemo, uh, uh, Ben Rama, and, and Ollie Watkins, just to name a few. And actually, all three of them looking at their their result from the weekend got on the score sheet that front three one of, if not the best, front three in the division, I'd say. Uh, you can make a strong case yeah. for it. How impressed have you been with them this season? Obviously, as I said, yeah, we've we've questioned their consistency at times, but obviously, first of all, how impressed have you been with them? And secondly, do you think out of any of that chasing pack, they can close and, and put pressure on the top two? Yeah, I mean, I've been very impressed, but I've been very impressed with them for about Two years now, if I'm honest. I, I know at the beginning of the season, we were, you know, we, we were talking four or five months ago now, or however long ago it was. And we said back then that Brentford had started slowly, but there were the signs there that they just weren't getting over the line. They were drawing a lot of the games. Uh, they were sat in about 16, 17 for a good month. Um, and I remember saying back then, Brentford will slowly but surely climb this table and eventually get into the playoff spots and then it's up to them what they do after that well they're there now and in terms of catching the top two um if i was to put money on anyone to do it it would be brentford i know we spoke a couple of weeks ago myself and jake and said that you know to catch the top two is going to be difficult because west brom and leeds are the best two teams in this division but like you've said there, Brentford have got the best goal difference. They've conceded the least in the division, only 21. Uh, the front three are getting better and better with each game. Like you, you mentioned, Mbwemo, um, Ben, like Ben Rama is one of the best players in the division. I'm a massive admirer of Ollie Watkins. Um, I think he's absolutely fantastic, and he's the joint top scorer in the division now with Mitrovic on 18 um, and he's got a contribution ratio for Brentford of 41% so he's nearly scored half their goals as well so with players like that if they can you know maintain their fitness not get injured you know not have suspensions I think Brentford are getting stronger and stronger and I'm not saying that they're going to catch Leeds 
because there is still a six point gap and they will obviously have to still play each other but there will be or even you could say they are now they're in touching distance because I think they are in like I say improving game by game these players and as a team under Thomas Frank who's just signed a new uh, new deal by the way so that'll breed more confidence in that they're sticking with the manager um, it's only a good sign so yeah I think that Brentford really really could push both Leeds United and West Brom to the very end um, not sure if they'll do it but in many ways I hope they do because they've really been one of the standout teams for it's probably longer than two years now isn't it you know since we've been doing this podcast we've always said Brentford have have been fantastic and, and one of the better teams in the division. So uh, they've, they seem to be getting on the right track and are really, really not far off being the best team in the division. So uh, let's see what the remaining season brings for them. Yeah, it kind of ties me quite nicely onto sort of the next topic as well. So I'll sort of kind of mix the two of them up. Obviously, Brentford, you mentioned there, they still need to play Leeds again. And I think mm-hmm. out of the the teams chasing the, the the top two, I think Brentford are the best place just because they've added that consistency to their game as well. Obviously, not to take anything away from from the likes of Fulham, Sheffield Wednesday, Nottingham Forest, but I think on their day, I think Brentford are the best team in that chasing pack. And you know, you touched yeah. on there; they've got arguably two of, if not the best two players in the division in Ben Rama and and Watkins. You know, Watkins joint ice goal scorer as well, and he seems to go from strength to strength every time I see him and, and get better with each game he plays. So I think definitely, yeah, they are going to be that team that that does put the pressure on the top two. And obviously the team in second at the moment that they're, you know, directly behind are Leeds United and and sort of what I was alluding to with sort of the next topic that I wanted to to touch on where we sort of cover one or two clubs each is is obviously Leeds United. The way both teams are playing at the moment, I wouldn't be shocked if Brentford played them, you know, down the line this season and, and you know, really took the game to them and actually beat them. I think Leeds, the first half of the season, absolutely fantastic. I think we expected that from from Bielsa's team. But, you know, the last few years for Leeds and, and for whatever reason it is, they get to Christmas time around sort of this period into the new year, playing fantastically well. Same happened last year and they just, mm. it's as if they run out of steam and start to, to fall away. And obviously they are still second at the moment with a, with a six point gap. So I'm not saying it's disaster stations by any means, but looking over their, you know, recent run of games, only one win in the league since the the, uh, the 10th of December. Um, so just over a month now, obviously lost in, in dramatic fashion to you at the weekend. And, you know, I am, starting to, to have my doubts with Leeds obviously you know they did draw with West Brom and, and beat Birmingham in that absolute thriller but then if, if you look they lost to Fulham a team that are chasing them they drew to us at Ellen Road obviously at the time we were fourth I believe so a team around us and the real concern for me is they're not keeping clean sheets either which you know at the start of the season they were scoring goals and keeping clean sheets which is why their their goal difference was was so good but for whatever reason at the moment, they just seem to be having a little bit of a wobble. And I think for Bielsa, the real sort of test of his managerial credentials, obviously I'm not doubting him as a manager, but in this division is going to be if he can, you know, steady the ship and get them back to playing how they were doing at the start of the season. Because, you know, for a team that were looking to run away with it, to have this wobble 
at the same time as they have done for the past sort of two or three years must be a little bit concerning. Um, and to go back to Brentford, obviously, they seem to be in pole position to to be able to take advantage of any slip-up. And I think if the gap stays around about the same, you know, sort of five or six points and it gets to that Leeds-Brentford game, I'll have to check actually when it is in the season. Um, but that game is going to be absolutely massive. And, you know, for Leeds, that'll be a real sort of tester of of where they are as a club in terms of aspirations for, for going into the Premier League because, you know, Brentford are poised to to pounce, really. Uh, and just looking at the fixtures, you know, it's it's not too far away either. And it's at Brentford on the 11th of February, which I believe is a Tuesday or a Wednesday night, uh, 7.45 kickoff, it looks like there. So, mm. massive game if, if obviously the calf stays as it is. And I think one team that would benefit from that is, is obviously West Brom. They've been going about their business you know, similarly to Leeds, they've had a little bit of a, a stutter here and there, but they are still, you know, seven points clear in, in top spot at the moment. So I think, yeah, Brentford, again, to go back, are the best place team to challenge. And I think if they can keep that front three fit and, and obviously scoring and playing the way they are doing, I think, you know, they are going to run that top two close. Um Obviously, yeah, Leeds, as I touched on there, were one of the teams I wanted to talk about. Um, I'll wait, obviously, to go into my second team. Are there any teams that you wanted to pick out, Louis, this week uh, sort of for, for any sort of positive or negative reasons? Yeah, I think I'm going to touch on Millwall this week. Um, I think, can you remember a few seasons ago, Millwall were sat in a similar position around eight or ninth, and that season, Harris, you know, was getting... Applaud it's and saying how, how really well they were doing and would they finish in that sixth spot. Um, but since Rowett's come in, I think that Millwall are really going under the radar and they are the team that you know we, we talk about dark horses a lot in, in this division because you could say there's so many because of how tight the division is. There's literally you know no points between six and halfway, really. Um, just just a win or two and, and you can be right up there. So, yeah, for me, I, I, I were going to discuss Millwall and I think, you know, there's there's a lot of players in this January window that, you know, a, a few Premier League teams have been linked with, you know, the likes of Jed Wallace. And I, I really think Rowett's come in um, and you've got to remember where Millwall were when Harris left. They were around 17th, 18th, I believe. And we always said, didn't we, that? Harris has done a fantastic job at Millwall. He's taking them as far as he can. I like the fact that Harris, you know, used to play for Millwall and supports the club. And, you know, he's got that history there. But, you know, hats off to Rowett so far. He's really, really taken them to that next level. And they're one of the form teams in the division at the minute. And instead of, you know, drawing the odd game, losing, winning one, they're, they're winning a couple on the bounce at the minute and, and have been ever since he's come in. So I think, you know, one point off the playoffs at the minute. I'm not saying that they're going to get in the playoffs at the end of the season, but they're right up there and they're in with a chance. And if you'd have asked me that, let's say two months ago, I'd have said that Millwall wouldn't have had a prayer this season because, you know, looking at their team with, you know, no disrespect to them, they haven't got the standout quality players like what we just said Brentford have, you know, the front three or what Fulham have with, you know, their front three. So um, I just thought that this week, yeah, I'd mentioned Millwall and I think that they are really one to watch and anyone who comes up against them in the remainder of the season is going to really have a tough game on their hands. So uh, that one's, yeah, Millwall for me. 
Yeah, well, similarly, the other team that I wanted to touch on, and I think for, for the majority of the same reasons in terms of uh, teams struggling against them for the remainder of the season, just with the way they sit out and the way they play is is Reading. Obviously, I touched on them earlier in the show, getting you know that, that draw really late on in dramatic fashion with Nottingham Forest. And they came to us a few yeah. weeks ago, absolutely played us off the park in a game that I was expecting to win. I did a piece for the Tylehurst then, which is... Uh, the the Reading sort of fan site that Simeon, you know, friend of the show, writes for, and you know, I said in that game that Reading are our bogey side, and the way they've gone in recent weeks, it, they seem to be turning into a bit of a bogey side for for you know quite a few teams in the division. Obviously, they beat us and then followed it up with that you know fantastic win against Fulham. You know, going into the game against us, they were on the back of two wins as well, and I don't think they've lost. Certainly, looking back through their um, their form guide at the moment, they haven't lost since, you know, mid-December. For a team that, you know, at the start of the season, we were saying probably wouldn't be in danger of going down, but they wouldn't, they'd be sort of in that that weird mix of, you know, not competing for the playoffs, but not going down in that sort of lower mid-table bracket. Obviously, they are still in and around that at the moment in 14th, but what they've got on their side at the moment, you know, they're on this fantastic run. They seem to be grinding out results. Any team in the division, if they can see to go a goal down in the 96th minute, you know, you'd, you'd almost put your house on them, not coming back to, to sort of equalise, especially with the way they did straight from kickoff. So I think, yeah, Reading are a team that, you know, have gone under the radar so far. They're, I think, six points off the playoffs at the moment. And, you know, with the way the season has gone at the moment and the way the league is bunched up, you know, right down from, say, even Derby in 17th up to, to Sheffield Wednesday in 6th, you know, there's only, I believe, eight points in it. So, you know, a couple of wins is going to take you right up the table. And if Reading can continue on this run of form that they're on, there's no reason why they can't, you know, be one of those late contenders for the playoff that comes out of nowhere in the new year. And the surprising thing for me as well with Reading is I know, Jake, who comes on the show, often touches on it, um, about their goal difference. I think it's the first time in, you know, a good few years. I may be completely wrong, but certainly when I look at the table, even that year, I think they came third or fourth and got into the playoffs. I think they had a negative goal difference that year as well. And they're on plus five goal difference at the moment, which for all the teams in and around them, you know, they're about sort of six or seven better off in terms of goal difference which is worth a point in itself as well so really impressed with Reading over recent weeks and you know they are in that weird area of the table where they don't really get as much coverage as they should do but vitally or massively impressed rather uh, with them over recent weeks and, and yeah I think they can have a really good strong second half to the season yeah, the final uh, team that I were going to touch on was uh, Bristol City. Uh, the next to Millwall in the division, they sat ninth, just uh, on, well level on points with Millwall actually. But this is from a totally different perspective. So I was praising Millwall. Uh, this time I'm going to, you know, say that for me, Bristol City, uh, in many ways, I'm not a fan, but they're even letting me down because I really thought that Bristol City were going to be the team to kick on this season. Again, I put them in a similar bracket to Brentford where you know they can play fantastic football usually great at home can beat anybody in the day um you know pl- certainly playoff contenders and they had a decent start to the season and, and and they have been in the playoff spots a few times already this campaign but for me Bristol City you know 
we always talk about how they have um, these dips where they, you know, they, they can go unbeaten in six, but then they go and lose four in a row and a couple of draws, and it really lets them down. And I'm just, like I say, consistency-wise, Bristol City have, have have let me down this season. I really thought that this could be their season where they would be in touching distance of the top two, like like we've been talking about Brentford. Um, and but what's more annoying for me is the fact that. Bristol City, again, I know I'm comparing them to Brentford, but they've been in touching distance for a few years now. They've just missed out on the playoffs um, on a few occasions. And it's just frustrating that they haven't... We've always said they were, they were the two really good championship players off being a great contender to go up. And for me, that is what they're still missing. Um, you know, we talked about... Brentford earlier having, you know, Embuemo, Watkins, etc., Ben Rama, you know, Bristol City don't have that forward line. That is, you know, they're missing that six to eight million pound striker. Like I'm I'm a fan of Yidu, um, obviously who scored and is 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 for me not consistent enough. But um if they really went out and, you know, I know it's implications regarding the EFL and you know profit and sustainability you know you can't make a loss of 39 million over a few years but they really are just short of a a couple of top class players in in this division and if they had them I really think they would be able to make a go of it and um, in that way like I say the opposite of Millwall I'm kind of dissing Bristol City a little bit because I think they've got it in them they've just not um They've just not gone out and, and produced the goods to make sure that they are going to be in the playoffs this season. And again, I think that it could be a case that they, they miss out. So, uh, yeah, that's my thoughts and feelings on them. Yeah, well, before we wrap it up, then, if we move into previews and predictions for the weekend, the first game that we've got wrote down here, Saturday lunchtime kickoff, so one I'll be staring clear from on my accumulator, is uh, Leeds, who we've talked about a fair bit on this show, going to QPR. Obviously, QPR about mid-table at the moment. Leeds are touched on having a little sort of bit of a rough patch. Do you expect Leeds to go down there and get back to winning ways? Or do you think QPR can surprise uh, surprise a few people and, and get a result against Leeds? Yeah, this is another tough fixture for Leeds. I don't think many teams would want to play QPR at the minute either. Um, I know that, you know, they've lost three out of the last four games, but the game they won, they beat Cardiff 6-1. And not only that, I think Naki Wells and... Eberichi Eze, on their day, they can, you know, score for fun at the minute. Um, so they're two of the most informed strikers in the division. So I think Leeds are going to have a game on their hands here as well. Um, it's not an easy place going down to Loftus Road. And and they're another team we could have touched on in this um, in this podcast that, you know, we're going under the radar a little bit because they're again not, you know, too far from the playoffs. Seven points, I believe. So um, for that reason... With Leeds being on, you know, they're not on a dreadful form, but they've only managed to get one win in the last six. I'm going to say that this is going to have goals and I think it might be two all. Um, So, yeah, I'll stick with that prediction. Yeah, I was going to go for a draw as well. Every time Leeds seems to be on TV, they seem to turn it on a bit. But I think as you touched on, QPR are one of those teams that, you know, on their day, they are 
one. They can beat anyone. You know, they uh, they beat Cardiff 6-1, as you mentioned, on New Year's Day. And then, obviously, it wasn't the league, but they put five past Swansea, you know, only a few days later. So, over those two games, 11 goals. And the game mm-hmm. that they lost last weekend was, was away at Brentford, which, you know, no real sort of shame for most teams in the division of, of admitting that Brentford have, have outplayed them, especially with the praise we've given them, you know, over the course of this show so I think yeah really tough game for Leeds and you know with the the run they've been on I think they would have wanted a nice you know quiet home game against you know the likes of like a Wigan or a Luton for example just to name two teams at the foot of the table so going to be a really difficult game for Leeds and I think yeah same as you Louis I think there will be goals in it I think each side will score so either one all or two all for me in this one um, moving on to the second game then uh, another game that we've got wrote down here is Swansea versus Wigan Saturday three o'clock obviously Swansea started the season really well it tailed off a little bit in you know recent months against a Wigan team which you know second bottom at the moment and you know really looking like they are in danger of going down can you see anything past the home win in this one or do you think Wigan can surprise some people and, and get a, at least a point no, Wigan's away form is uh, dreadful, isn't it? Um, and so Wigan, uh, sorry, Swansea should be winning this one, uh, whatever the outcome, whether whatever the even if they don't perform that well, uh, they should still be uh, looking to uh, get three points. Wigan have only won one away from home in fourteen this season, so uh, for that reason, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go with a Swansea win, even though they're inconsistent at the minute. But I'll go two nil in that one. Yeah, I think, again, the same as you, Lou. I think, obviously, Swansea, while they are consistent at times, I think with the squad they've got, I think they've got just a bit too much for, for Wigan at the moment. Um, obviously, Wigan relied so heavily on Reese James last year and they just don't seem to have replaced him and they are paying the price for that. Um, yeah, Swansea win for me, I think, maybe 2 or 3 nil in this one, although I could see Wigan potentially scoring. But, yeah, I can't see anything past the a Swansea win. And then finally, um, you know, another game that if you look at it on paper, you think there should be one winner in it is, is Forest versus Luton. But obviously, as we've mentioned, Luton have at times surprised teams this year, obviously, which sounds weird to say with them being at the foot of the table at the moment. But I think even the most hardened Luton fan wouldn't have expected him to challenge at the top of the table this year. How do you see this game going on Sunday lunchtime, Louis? This one's going to be really interesting, actually, because I think in many ways that Luton and Forest play similar football. It's just that Forest have got the better quality players. So, obviously, uh, you only have to look at the league table to, to see Forest are fifth and Luton are 24th. But uh, they have similar styles in my eyes. And I think this game, for that reason, uh, might be close. But, like I say, Forest have got the quality, the likes of Graben and Lolly, etc. So, for that reason, again like Swansea, they, they should be picking up the three points. So I'm going to go 2-1, but I think this might just, uh, it might not be as easy as it seems. So, uh, yeah, 2-1 for me. Yeah, I think in this one, uh, slightly different from you, although this, the result is the same. I think, obviously, as you mentioned, yeah, I do think they play similar football. I think, obviously, with the run Luton have been on and, and Forrest picking themselves back up from the, the disappointment to consider at Reading, I think Forest will bounce back in this and win. Not extremely comfortably, but they'll do enough. So I think in this one, maybe a 1 0 or a 2 0. Um, but I think, yeah, Forest will get the job done and, and, you know, 
one of those performances that that will just get them back on the right track and and keep up the pace on that sort of top sort of three or four especially um but with that we're out of time um if you want to let anyone know louis any projects you're involved in and social medias and such now would be a good time yeah, so you can just jump on Twitter and find me. It's just my name, at Louis Shackshaft. Um, I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan, so I do a lot of Wednesday stats. And um, I'm a Sheffield Wednesday pundit at Feast of Football Radio, uh, Football League World and the Yorkshire Post newspaper. Yeah, and you can follow me, me on my Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers. More importantly, you can follow us on the show, which is at Championship Pod, where each episode is our pinned tweet. So give us a follow, turn the notifications on and you won't miss an upload. Uh, cheers for joining me today, Louie. Um, I think Jake will be back next week as well, so we should be back to the full host of us. Um, but until then, we'll see you next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.